Hello, my name is Rita Balligan and you are listening to the Big Picture Podcast, a podcast where we dive deep into the minds of creative business owners and people who are striving in their careers. With every successful person, there is more than what meets the eye. There is a story, a bigger picture. And every week, I'll be finding out what that is, the how, the why, and when. Are you ready to be inspired? I am. Let's go. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Big Picture Podcast. As usual, I am very, very, very excited to be here. I feel like this has just become one of my favorite things to do. I just, I'm just so excited about people's journeys, and I'm really, really, really excited about my guest today. Um, also, I've reached 10k listeners so I'm really really excited about that thank you so much guys for tuning in and listening to me and listening to my guests like it's just amazing like I don't know just the fact that I started this podcast after procrastinating for so long and started it during a very remonstrance time in my life I was going to say challenging, but anyway, a very challenging time in my life. And it's just really cool that um, you guys listen. I really love the messages that you guys send to me um, when you say that you're inspired and you're encouraged and it's, you know, an episode's helped you to keep going. I love that. Keep them coming. Keep sending them. Um, So today... I am going to do something that only if you have been listening... You know, if you're an OG in this and you've been listening to my episodes, you will know that there's something that I used to do and I stopped doing it because I just felt like, you know, it wasn't being appreciated. But I was wrong. It was being appreciated. And my guest today has specifically asked for this segment. So here I am bringing it back. Do you know what I mean? I'm, I'm bringing it right back. So I'm bringing back my word of the day. And my word of the day today is, I tried to actually slip it in earlier because I'm trying to be one of them people, you know, them people that kind of bring in these really fancy words mid-sentence for no reason. I was trying to do that, but I don't think it quite worked. But (laughs) my word of today is remonstrance. Remonstrance. Look at that. It just sounds so like... I went to private school and, you know, I really know what I'm doing. Like, so basically, this is another word for challenging. So, or to challenge something. So if you were to use it in a sentence, you could say, um, someone's opening up a shop and many residents have written letters of remonstrance to the city officials. I don't know if that makes any sense. Yeah, it does actually. Yeah. So basically it's to challenge something, remonstrance. I hope you guys use that word in the future. Anyway, moving swiftly forward, my guest today is, I'm really, really, really happy that he's here today. Um, He is a very, very, very incredible guy. He is a writer. He is also a director, despite the fact that he used to say that he would never, ever (laughs) be a director. But now, in 2019, he can add... (laughs) director to his repertoire of many talents he is also he also has a production company called creative blue balls which is also a very 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 amazing initiative and he's just a really really nice guy and i think it's good to point that out because there's not a lot of nice people these days 
you know what I mean? If we're really being honest. So it's really, really nice to have this guy who is a really nice guy. He's incredibly talented. He's incredibly humble as well. And yeah, I'm just really happy to have him here. And his name is Abraham Adeyemi. Thank you for having me. And welcome. Thank, Thank you for that you. intro. It was You're very, 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 very welcome. Thank you so much for coming. Like, I know I keep saying, like, thank you for coming because I do appreciate it. No, you're, you're a busy guy. Thank you for so, having me. So, you know, it's good that you're here. Um, Have you had a good day so far? Yeah, day's been all right. Yeah? Uh, went to the gym in the morning. That's good. Worked all day. Keeping active. Keeping active is That's important. That's good. We're securing a bag and we're keeping active. Very important. I mean... Let's speak the second one into existence, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but no, keep an active. Yeah, yeah, I love that. For mental health, actually. that's I think that's the Oh, like working thing. out. You know, I had Bola on here and she was talking about how important it is to yeah. like work out, to kind of get Oh, absolutely. Like, whenever anyone talks to me about it, I'm like, that's the primary reason. I obviously want to look good physically and all those things as well. But the primary reason is just for my state of mind. And mm. it's, yeah, it's great for that. It's a strong reason, yeah. to be honest. I feel, it when I'm, I feel it when I'm out, when I'm not going, and mm. when I've broken See, the patterns. I want to get to that stage where I feel it when I'm not going. Mm. Right now, I don't go at all, but that's for <laughs> another day. Um, so I guess with my podcast, I like to ask the same question, like off the bat in the beginning, because I just think it's really important um, just to understand you more. And I guess the question is, who is Abraham? Abraham is a 28-year-old 20, <laughs> writer from South London mm -hmm. um, born and raised um, Nigerian heritage mm -hmm. uh, grew up in Woolwich specifically nice I also direct now mm -hmm. who is Abraham what else is there to me um, yeah what, what I love football yeah good <laughs> love music mm -hmm. do you know what I always say to people that God gave me God didn't give me talent in the two things I loved the most, which was football and music. And instead, I was given basketball and writing. Mm. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, that's me. Um, yeah, that's who I am. Yeah. So where did this journey begin for you? Ah, okay. So, do you know what? Writing is something I've always enjoyed. And... It's not in a cliche way. It's in, oh, I always really love telling stories, blah, 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 this and that. It's more a case of, I remember very vividly in primary school, I think it was year six, in fact, specifically when we were doing our sets, and being really excited to do the creative writing paper. And I think I wrote a letter because that was the, like whenever we did the practice papers, I always enjoyed writing the letters the most. Mm -hmm. And so it always came from there. And throughout secondary school, people used to encourage me, like, oh, you should... um yeah, you're really good at this, you should pursue it. But it was never anything that was a serious consideration for me for two reasons. One, the cliche of you know, not knowing anyone who does it. But I don't think it was so much that. I think it was actually more a case of, I went to a really good school, a grammar school, and so everyone's really intelligent, everyone's really talented at all these things. And so actually, unless you're exemplary, uh, you don't really appreciate that you're good at something in the way people say you are. Mm -hmm. And so it took me until my second year of university and after a friend had passed away and that kind of woke me up because I was very much on course to either go into law or into finance. Um, I had, If I'd finished my degree, I had um, jobs that I could walk into in those fields that had been offered before I started my degree. But I had this moment in my second year when I just was really feeling like I don't 
want to do this. I don't feel happy. And I was like, why am I happy? Because I'm not happy with the direction my life is going in. Mm. And I'm very simple. I was just like, okay, what does make you happy? I was like, well, I've always enjoyed writing. And I think that was it. I made this decision. And I remember it was really early in the morning that I made the decision that I was going to drop out of university wow. and pursue writing. And it helped that I had made a friend who was a year older than me who had sold a script to the BBC. Mm-hmm. And so from there, it wasn't just... It, it then changed from writing to, I'm going to write film or TV because this is something that can be done. And I've mm-hmm. met someone now who could do it. And yeah, that's how I got here. I dropped out in 2011 and been pursuing writing ever since. Wow. So let's go back a little bit. So when you were in uni and you decided that you were going to drop out. Yeah. How did your like family take this? Because that's like a big deal to just say, I'm going to drop out. And not only am I going to drop out, I'm going to do writing. Yeah. And first of all, they're like, writing what? Like, mm. how does that even work? You know, it's one of those industries where it's like, okay, when do we see the results of this? Are mm. you going to make money? Mm. Are you this and that? So how did yeah. your family feel when you said you were going to do that? Um. So... I didn't tell my family for months. Um, I just made my decision and I stopped going. The day I decided I stopped going to lectures, like it was a very simple decision. Yeah. And I remember my housemate, Gabs, um, was like, oh, are you sure? <laughs> like, why don't you just finish? Like, yeah, I was like, well, why would I do that? Because I know I don't want to do this. So what's, yeah, it didn't make sense to me. You're telling me to waste another year and a half of my life. Mm-hmm. Um, but when I eventually did tell my family or more specifically when I told my mum there were only two people whose opinions I really cared about one was my mum and one was my mum's brother Mm -hmm. and when I told my mum's brother it was more like I never really worried that he would he would like not support me it was more a case of wanting to I was actually worried I was like you know all my friends are going to graduate next year or the year after and I'm going to be the one who's like way behind. And my uncle said to me, life isn't a marathon, sorry, life isn't a sprint, it's a marathon. So it doesn't matter when you reach your destination as long as you just keep pushing forward. And that was encouragement for me to know that, okay, this is cool. Yeah. And that marathon's been really, really long, but yeah, yeah. we're still running. And with my mum, the, what my mum said will always stick out in my head and actually it's it's even more in my head currently because I put the line in a play of mine mm-hmm. but in a different context. Um, so my mum said to me, that, what have I always told you? And I was like, what? And she was like, you know, you could never do anything to disappoint me as long as you pick happiness. And mm-hmm. she was like, just do what makes you happy. And, and that really shocked me because not that my mum's necessarily the stereotypical Nigerian parent because she really isn't like she's actually always let me get on with things when it comes to my education she never tried to pick my GCSEs for me she never tried to pick my A-levels like I you know I picked music food tech and business studies so I didn't do anything particularly serious and so that was the family reaction so I had the support of those who the only people who I wanted it from and I think also my family know me well enough to know that had they tried to oppose it I would have still done it anyway like that's always been something about me that when I'm clear I want to do something I will Mm. just do it and trust in my own decision that's really good like I really love that because sometimes I feel like I doubt my decisions Mm. so I I, my gut will tell me something and then I will think oh is this my gut or am I anxious yeah do you know what I mean and it's that constant battle of like okay, is this like my gut telling me that this isn't the right thing Mm. or am I just anxious or scared and don't want to do it. Mm. And I've learned like the hard way recently that actually my gut feeling was actually trying to protect me from getting into a situation I should not have gotten into. Yeah. Oh, so I you thought, did end up doing the thing? Yeah, I did. Yeah. And that's how I now know that the gut, yeah. <laughs> that it works. It's <laughs> because, tough. It's tough. And the mind yeah. plays tricks on you as well. Like that, yeah. I think that's something I've been going through today is this, 
you know, battling my own mind, mm. which is a daily battle in itself anyway. Yeah. But, yeah. So when was the moment that you knew that, all right, cool, because you've made a decision now. You've mm. like, all right, dropping out of uni, going to be a writer. My mm. mate sold a script to the BBC, like it's going well. When was the moment that you really knew in yourself that, all right, cool, pen to paper, I'm writing this, and you just knew that I'm definitely going to do this? Like, Did you ever have any doubts prior, or were you just like... Phew? No, the day I decided, just the day that was it, because from that moment onwards, I, I stopped going to lectures, and I was living on campus, so I was just... I was like, okay, well, now I've got all this time in the world to just work on scripts. And actually, I look back on that time because I probably made the decision, let's say, around February, maybe. Mm -hmm. And I look back on the time between February and the end of the academic year, which would have been around June. Yeah. Because I remember something that happened in June, which made me step up my game. And I just remember thinking, right, you've really wasted these four months. And don't get me wrong, I was doing things to grow in terms of like learning format and stuff like that. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask. Like, how did you know, do you know what I mean? Like, how did you know what to write and how to even start? I, I found, I just found stuff online. Like okay. I found tutorials. Um, I, do you know what? I'm a big believer in the word serendipity and I feel like it follows me all my life. And mm. I don't know when I saw this, but I used to religiously read the free magazine shortlist. Mm-hmm. And do you know what? this is probably still in my mum's house and I want to find it and like frame it. But I remember there was a week when shortlist had just a one page, whatever you want to call it, which was how to how to write a screenplay. And that's so random. Like, it's not something they would ever have. And mm. and that was, like, one of my very first experiences of, like, okay, this is how so you... Yeah, and then I was trying to do it in Microsoft Word. And for anyone who's ever looked at a screenplay, it's a very specific type of format. And yeah. down the line, when my scripts would be read by professionals, you know, the first thing someone says is... Do, do the you? format. Yeah, they're like, the format's off. And I've tried my hardest. Like, I've stressed yeah. trying to get this format right. Mm-hmm. When in reality, there's just programs which can do it for you. It's like, mm-hmm. you know, Hot Type Final Draft, which is a program I use. Um, yeah. So, I don't know if I answered your question. No, you did. You did. Yeah. You did. I'm just like, I, I don't know. It's just... It's one thing to say you want to do something and it's another thing to actually start doing it. So I yeah. find it incredible that you literally made that decision mm-hmm. and immediately started to educate yourself to you know, to achieve it. So you also went to university part-time. Yeah, so... What made you decide to So the decision to go to university part-time is, again, as much as my mum isn't a stereotypical Nigerian, there's there's a few things here and there, and she was really keen for me to still get a degree. And so I was like, okay, you know what? I'm going to apply for one university, because it was the only university I wanted to study creative writing at, and it was specifically because they offered the course Mm part-time, which was Birkbeck. And I said, okay, I'll apply to this one university. If I get in, I'll go. If I don't get in, I'm not doing it because I didn't think, and I still believe this, and then anytime anyone asks me for advice, I say it, is that you don't need a degree to write screenplays. Like, it might help in certain ways, and I know the ways it does, which I don't think I necessarily needed those things, Mm -hmm. but they were beneficial. But either way, I knew that if I was doing it part-time, I could spend all the rest of my time working on scripts. Mm. And so I applied to Birkbeck, went for my interview, got in, and yeah, studied creative writing part-time. Mm. And so what was your first script? <sighs> okay. <laughs> so I'm not sure what my very first script was, because I feel I'm going to assume that I didn't jump into writing a feature first and I probably wrote a short first. Mm-hmm. But... The one that I always think of as my first, which was a feature film, and this is what I mentioned when I mentioned June and throwing myself in the deep end. Mm -hmm. 
I wrote this script called The Secret Parties, mm-hmm. but secret was spelt with an X. <laughs> and it was okay. about a family man who, sorry, sex for it, I guess. And it's about a family man who like runs, I don't know, her whatever company, some sort of company. And he lived a double life. And in this double life, he was running these sex parties. Okay. And um, yeah, scripts is crap. <laughs> but um, very imaginative though. Yeah. So the, the imagination was never a problem, but I'm yeah. sure the storytelling wasn't that great. I think I'd throw up if I read that script today. Yeah. But I was very proud of it. And yeah, I think at that point when I was writing, it was, especially at the beginning, it was so much about just imagination for me like I really wanted to be wild with my thoughts and so mm-hmm. yeah I'd never and I've still never been to a sex party yeah. but it was just about exploring some things yeah I, I want to read that script actually I think you yeah. should yeah it'll probably make you laugh yeah. yeah I think you should read it and so as a writer obviously you don't it's not one of those jobs where it's like you're getting loads of money straight away and this, that, that and the other. So Still how not getting you... loads of money. <laughs> <laughs> so how did you balance it out? Because like I said, you, like with the timeline, you've left uni, yeah. you're studying part-time now. Mm. So how did you like balance out writing and also having an income? Okay, cool. So four-year degree. Mm-hmm. First year, didn't work, didn't get a job because um, I wanted to spend all my time writing. So that's 11, 12, yeah. So I was essentially just, what was I living off of? Um, do you know I was living at home. So I yeah. think I had to live off very little. Like I I had, I think they give you like a really tiny grant. Like I can't even remember how much it is, but it's something really small. Mm-hmm. Um, oh, do you know what? I just remembered, mm, nah, okay, well, I've started now. Right? Yeah. <laughs> Another reason why I wanted to go to that university and study it part-time was because there was a loophole, which was, and that was the last year of the loophole, which was, if you hadn't completed a degree at that time, you could the government would automatically give you a grant for half of your student fees. Uh-huh. And then my university would pay the rest as long as you earned below a certain threshold. So this also plays a part mm. in why I wasn't working all those years as well. Uh-huh. So anyway, the first year wasn't working. Um don't remember how I was surviving. I think I just survived on whatever I had. Uh-huh. Um I got a job in the summer of the second year. Um, and then continued working. So I was working, oh, I've so many jobs, man. <laughs> that summer I worked, I'd got into summer schools then actually. So I started working at summer schools, which I still do to this day. And that's mm-hmm. always been like my summer top up of me having, feeling comfortable for once in my life. Mm-hmm. Um, I worked in a theatre, a pop-up theatre in Kensington Gardens. Mm-hmm. I then worked in my second year and third year, I worked for a phone company um, selling phones in store. Mm-hmm. And then in my final year, I stopped working again because I was like, okay, this is the final year. I need to focus. I, yeah, need to focus. It wasn't even about focusing. It was just really wanting to set myself up well for for afterlife, so to speak, and yeah. where I wanted to be career-wise. But also in final year, your two final year projects are, or the ones I chose rather, one was a feature film and one was a full-length play. And so I'm... I was wanting to make sure I smashed those out of the park because those would essentially be what I could use as my industry calling card. Mm. Yeah. So, what was what's been like the defining? Because you got you're you're quite confident. Do you know what? I want to say one more thing. <laughs> this is typical of me, right? Thank you for being confident. Um, on the work point as well, and like how was I surviving? I think something that's followed me throughout and still to this day is that. I think there was a massive shift once I like once I knew I wanted to pursue writing. I knew the sacrifices that was going to come with like the careers I mentioned before, law, and law, finance, all of that. Like we all know that they're very well paid. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how I'd always envisioned my life. And in making this decision, I knew that I was going to have to throw that away mm-hmm. and and literally just be prepared to grind for the bigger picture and the, yeah. the long-term vision. And mm-hmm. so, yeah, it's weird trying to remember how I survived, but I think no matter what, I would have survived, especially because I had the safety net of living at home. Yeah, yeah. I just wasn't worried about it. I just knew that, you know what, I'll just make it work. And it was... You know, the writing was the important thing and so mm-hmm. everything was contributing towards that so I wasn't caring about not living the same lifestyle as my friends who were working great jobs and all of that yeah yeah um confidence that's where you are right? yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean I was just gonna say like you're quite confident and mm. when you're writing and then you're having to share it mm. like no, how do I word the question like how do you feel about sharing your work? Are you ever like concerned that, oh, they're not going to like it? Because you can write something and you're <laughs> super excited about it. You're like, wow, I've just written this banging script. And yeah. then you send it to someone and then they're like, this is terrible. Did you, did you ever have that fear? Oh, is it's interesting because I thought you meant audiences rather than sending it to people. Um, no, but it's more like sending it yeah, to people sending to get the people. feedback um, before you get the final draft. Do you know what? I'm very at peace with feedback, like a lot of people. And I think this was maybe one of the positive university experiences, actually, Mm. which was, um, I say it like my experience was negative. No, better phrasing is something I gained from it. Yeah, one of the things that I gained was you do these things called workshops. And they were so interesting because everyone reacts very differently to them. And I thought most people, (laughs) I I just really got annoyed by the way most people would react to it they'd always be defending their work and the whole like, there's guidelines that are set things like you know, don't talk unless you absolutely need to whilst people are giving feedback on your mm-hmm. work mm-hmm. and I rarely ever spoke when people are giving feedback because I always my rule is that I think yeah a large percentage of the feedback that you get on your work is right and and you have to remember that you know people tell you not to write for an audience which is neither here nor there but the reality of it is that an audience is who's going to see your work and so therefore you have to imagine that the reader is the audience and so whilst you know what you were trying to write and what you know this is how the audience has perceived it so Mm. often they're right and it's just and you know sometimes you can both be right it can be that you're right I'm right but you've not understood what I want you to understand so I need to work on tweaking it and sometimes you don't have to you know sometimes you know for sure what you're right about Mm -hmm. but I don't worry about feedback, generally speaking, because I think, on the most part, anyone who I'm sending my work to has my best intentions at heart. And so mm-hmm. they're going to read my work and want it to be the best possible thing that it can be. And for it yeah. to be that, it requires feedback. And actually, I get more annoyed when people... Yeah, I stopped letting people read my scripts in terms of, like, friends and stuff, because... Yeah. I used to get really annoyed by, oh, this is great. And I'm like, what do you want me to do with that? Like, yeah, sure, good, yeah, it yeah. is great, but... I can't do anything with that. That's not improving it. That's not making it better. That's not showing me the weaknesses in mm. the stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But what if it's just, it's great? Like, I mean, if you tell me that now, then <laughs> yeah. I would accept it yeah, probably. Yeah. Like, we're, I'm better now and I'm, 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 I'm better than I was six, seven, eight years ago. Mm-hmm. So maybe I would accept that. But also, oh man, is anything perfect? <laughs> like, this is it, yeah. Yeah. This is it. What's been a real... Um, I don't know if I should ask this first, actually, or... Ask whatever you want first. Defining. I guess, what's been a real... Well, actually, have you ever had a time when you didn't want to write anymore? Yeah, I have. Um, yeah, and what was that? I think... I've had a couple of them, and I'm, I'm trying to remember when they happened at different points in time, but I think... 
January, I want to say January 2016 was a big one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'd, you know, there's been a few, but I think they've all happened after June 2015. And June 2015 was when my mum kicked me out of our family home. And so that was a big shock to me, just finished my degree. My plan was to carry on much in the same vein as my final year was, which was keep pushing with this writing thing, don't need to get a job, blah, 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 blah. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think January 2016, oh, just to clarify, me and mum, our relationship's great now, best relationship we've had in my life. Yeah. Um, but, you know, sometimes these things have to happen. Mm-hmm. Um but in January 2016, I think there was just this great frustration towards writing. I'm like, this thing is just ruining my life in every shape and form mm. in terms of, you know, it's, I I would have described it and still continue to describe it as a gift and a curse. Like, sure, apparently I have this talent in this thing and it's something I love and it's something I really want to do and not everyone has that in their life. But it's also a curse and I can't, I almost can't imagine myself doing anything else and that feels like a curse. It's like, mm. why have I been burdened with this thing? And mm. I don't know if you remember it enough, but I had a play in 2016 called mm. Dionysus Smile, which was, the character was quite similar to me. And so it was a frustrated artist and he's, yeah, I remember this line where he's literally shouting, at God, why couldn't you have just given me the ambitions of a bin man? Like, mm. oh, because that, that would yeah. just be simpler than yeah. having to do that. So there's been times when, I've wanted to quit, but it's never been because I doubted my ability. Like, I always say that to people, like, you know, I'm very grateful that I don't doubt whether I'm good at this thing or if I'm capable of achieving the things that I want to achieve. Mm. Um, It's just been, it's been circumstances in life. Like, life Mm. is hard. Life is, you know, I don't think I was born into the best conditions to pursue this dream. And I think many people from the background that I'm from aren't born into conditions to chase many of the dreams they would like to chase. And mm. and there's such an imbalance in the success within the industry from specific backgrounds, I guess, because, because you need us, you know, for starters, like I've been writing for eight years and I think, you know, not that I've never not been confident as you kind of said yourself, but... I think the confidence I have now in like when I pick up a not a real pen because I type mm. but when I pick up the pens and write like I'm like I know whatever I'm going to write right now is going to be sick because of this because of that you know like mm. just knowing my ability mm. and that takes time to get to that point it takes a lot of training and breeding and and you know as much as there's that whole thing of like oh we all have the same 24 hours the truth is we don't all have the same 24 hours because some people have the luxury of, you know, privilege. And, mm. you know, I have a love-hate relationship with the word privilege because I think it's a very important word, but I think it has such a negative connotation in today's world where people think privilege means, means being white and middle class and coming from a wealthy background. Actually, there's several privileges that you can have in life. Like, on a very simple level, the privilege I once upon a time had was I lived under my mum's roof. Like, mm. that was a privilege. And people yeah. under underrate that so massively. I probably underrated it massively it probably contributed to the fallout between me and my mum and you know a privilege that I still have is that I live in London like imagine someone who doesn't live in London chasing this dream like yeah. you know I can I've had crazy stories where I've been sat in a coffee shop and someone's overheard my conversation and they've worked in the film industry or the TV industry and they've set up a meeting for me that's not happening to you in a village in the Midlands like so 
the privilege thing is difficult both positively and negatively but I think there's certain privileges which work for other people in terms of just the amount of hours they have to really hone this craft and get good at it and get great at it and Mm. or accept opportunities as well like unpaid opportunities and then how they can grow from that and become better and stuff like that and you know if we're to say it takes 10,000 hours to become great at something or whatever the saying is some of those people it might take 10 years no let's say three years to put in those 10,000 hours someone else it might take 30 years and actually by year five they've quit because life comes hard and Mm. you have to deal with real responsibilities like survival yeah Yeah. but how did you overcome so like you mentioned your mum said leave the house Mm. kind of thing which meant in a sense you were homeless because you were like sleeping on couches and stuff like that so you didn't have that stability like you said which is a privilege now to even have your own space to be able to write it's a privilege Mm. so how did you because it's easy anyone could have just been like I ain't gonna do this anymore like Mm. I'm on a couch like I need to get like a full-time job and this and that like what was the inspiration like what motivated you to still be like I don't really feel like writing right now I don't even have the space to write right now but Mm. I'm still gonna do it so in that same January and actually now that I think about it, it wasn't January 20. 16 it was December 2015 but I remember in January 2016 just being just sitting down and thinking to myself like okay I really want to do this that's the truth like I wish I didn't but I do and mm-hmm. I said to myself I just had an epiphany where I was like life is like a bunch of building blocks and those building blocks yeah if I want to put a pencil on a build on a, on top of 10 building blocks the way I form um I build those building blocks together would be very different to how I might build them if I wanted to put a plate on them, for example. Okay. And so where I'm going with this is that I said to myself, I have to accept that the circumstances of my life have changed and my foundations are no longer strong enough to support my current circumstances. So I have to knock the building blocks down and start from scratch and figure out how to make a new, th- you know, it's all the same components but just how to make these components work for my life. And so it was things like, I used to write 10 pages a day, like easily. It was things like accepting, okay, well, I need to get a job. And if I need to get a job, I'm not gonna be able to write 10 pages a day. And I need to accept that. And I need to be like, okay, this is how many pages I'm gonna write a day or a week. And it was, again, even accepting needing a job, it was accepting, you know, it, it was just accepting all these things and realizing that nothing is stopping me from writing it just means that i'm just gonna have to do it differently to how i'm used to doing it and how i want Mm. to do it and i have to just accept that change and roll the punches because i really want this thing wow that's amazing Mm. that's actually so amazing you guys can see my face right now it's because it's inspiring because it's like it's so easy to have excuses Mm. um i can't do this because i have to do this or my life's crumbling over here or me and my mum are fighting or me and my dad are fighting and it's so easy to use it as an excuse to not actually chase after what you want Mm. but actually I like how you've put it you just have to find a new way to do it yeah you know that's very hmm, kick up the butt for me I like that I think it was around that time I started working out as well actually I mean I've been on off for years Mm -hmm. but I feel like that was the first time when I started committing to doing exercise regularly because again mental state yeah, but it's important because I think as you become an adult, you really do have to make these decisions where it's like, mm. you just can't have an excuse. It's either yeah. you want it or yeah. you don't, Yeah, literally. So is that what led you to create your own production company? That idea of... Yeah, absolutely. Um, so again, this, I mean, Creative Blue, actually, no, that's not what led me because I had created Creative Blue Balls probably a year before. Mm-hmm. And so the plan before everything turned upside down 
was I was going to come out of university. We are going to put on theatre productions um, because if I can put on my own work... No, so my logic was always this, is that if I can... If I can put on my own work and get an audience to come, which I believe that I could, mm-hmm. I could convince someone to give me money to do it mm-hmm. as long as the mon- the numbers matched up. Yeah. And and if I could get the money and put the show on, it means that I could invite people to come and see my work. And because I feel, I mean, I think, I don't know if every writer feels like this, but they should feel like this, is that no matter what anyone reads on the page, when the work comes to life on paper, it's always a different conversation. Like, mm. even... My producer, Abby, um, with my most recent production, I remember she called me after the first night because I wasn't there. And she was close to tears. She was like, Abe, like... Yeah, she's read the script so many times because she produced it. And she was like, I don't understand how, even after having read your script so many times, every time when I see it for the first time, Mm. it just makes me feel this way I wasn't expecting as if I've never seen it. And she wasn't talking about like the kind of pride like oh my god we've put something on this is amazing it feels Mm. so real it's more of like she's talking about the impact like as if she doesn't know the story that's coming Mm. and I'm not even trying to remember where I was going with this don't even remember um, keep going on the like, same chain though. cool um, <laughs> it was about why you created oh yeah putting the work on that's yeah, it so, yeah, yeah. so I was like well I just felt it was this overwhelming frustration like I was trying to because primarily I was and still do primarily write screen I wasn't getting screen opportunities so I noticed that all the writers who were a few years older than me, who were getting all the opportunities that I wanted to get, had all come from theatre. And I was like, okay, well, clearly there's a pattern here that the screen industry is going to pick all the best writers from theatre. And I was like, well, if you can't beat them, join them. So I started writing theatre. I'm trying to you know, send my play left, right and centre. Again, none of the theatres are giving me airtime. So I'm like, I'm just going to put it on myself yeah. and so that's what drove me to do it. it's just that I was like well if I can get my work up on its feet yeah. I can get people to come and see it and yeah. from that very first production I still have relationships with people in the industry from that like you know who have you know, even someone who supported me for my most recent um, with my short film mm-hmm. from having come to see that so yeah. well, I think that's how we met anyway I don't know yeah. <laughs> you've got a strong eye for talent though because I've seen your plays <laughs> no because I've seen your plays and I've, is it I think it's two of Two actors who have been in one of your plays have gone on to do like really. It's more than two. More than two. Wait, are we talking about this? Wait, wait, wait about theatre, film, or both? It depends. Theatre. If I'm recalling. No, sorry. Are you saying they've gone on to? They've like so they've done your they've done your play. Yeah. And then they've gone on to like telly and like I think one of them is Jack. Jack Ryan, BAFTA winner. Yeah. <laughs> and I remember that play because. How to fix a car crash. Yeah, and he was he um did it last minute right. He, we got him three or four days before yeah. we put it on because we had an issue <laughs> with yeah. the previous actor. Yeah. And so we had to replace him. Yeah. And I remember it like it was incredible. So, yeah. yeah. Jack is phenomenal. I wrote a blog about that because I was so blown away by how good he was. Yeah. And at that point, he, I mean, he's not the Jack Roman that he is today now. Mm-hmm. He's a BAFTA winner who's in all these big shows. He's about to be the lead in the Noughts and Crescent. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Uh, do you know what? <laughs> I, I always say that. I haven't said this in a long time, but now I'm remind, reminded of it. And I'm like, you know what? Maybe, God forbid this writing thing doesn't work out, but maybe I should just be like a, a talent scout or something for acting. Talent because, manager, casting director. Yeah. No, well, which one pays more? Anyway. I don't know. <laughs> no, but yeah, like, because, you know what? I'll own that one. I think I do. I think yeah. I really can. Yeah, because there's there's a few of them. There's there's Jack. There's Michael Jarrell. He's done bits. He did, oh, yeah. Um, he did The Fisherman. He He's 
filming last night in Soho, which is a, I think it's Edgar J. Wright film, maybe. Yeah. Um, there's a few more. Now I feel bad because I'm like forgetting all the names on the spot. Yeah. But there's, yeah, there's been a few. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I pride myself in, in that. <laughs> mm, it's very good. Um, what's been a bit defining moment in your career? It depends how you, ugh, I was about to say it depends how you define in defining. Oh, <laughs> but it sounded no. weird. But yeah, how, what do you mean by defining? I just feel like in every, in everyone's like career, mm. whether it's you're a, a professional or as a creative, you just have this very defining moment when things change, you know? Oh, okay. There's a um, shift because it's like you're grinding and you're grinding and you're grinding and everything kind of seems the same, right? And then a moment. So it's like, and then one day. Okay. And then after that, things change. So what's been that for you? I want to say I don't think I've had it yet. Okay. But I sometimes I realise a lot of things in my life, which is that sometimes it's hindsight and you realise you've had these things. But there is one moment and it's a really small moment Mm -hmm. but I think it was a catalyst for the last nine, ten months of my life. Mm -hmm. And it was October 2018 and I'm in a hotel room with Abby, my producer, Mm -hmm. Zach Momo, um, actor and friend. Mm -hmm. And we're in the hotel room of my friend, Dream Hampton. Um, For those who don't know who Dream is, she is the Emmy-nominated executive producer of the R. Kelly documentary that we've all watched. Um, And so Dream's invited us over to just... She's American. Um, She's invited us over to watch this film that she's produced, um, feature film. And after we're all talking and da-da-da-da-da, I'm about to go to, I think it was Sweden, for like a weekend away. And Dream was like, Abe, I don't get it. Why have you never been to LA? Like, you love travelling, da-da-da-da-da. And I'm like, I'm just... Yeah, you know, I've always seen LA as somewhere that I just trust that one day my my career will take me there. And Dream was like, if you're in LA, I'd get you a writing job tomorrow. And I was I laughed at office like, no, I'm not joking. Like, let's go for a drink tomorrow and let's talk not tomorrow, before I leave and let's talk about it, or before she leaves, I don't know, mm-hmm. whatever. Um, we go for a drink the next day and me and Dream are chilling there and this one them was where I'm like, How much of this story do I tell? I'll tell as much as I feel mm-hmm. I can say yeah. um, me and Dream are chilling there and Dream's on her phone whilst we're talking like she always is but not in a rude way yeah. um, and she shows me a text message and she's sent a text message to her friend Cheo and she's like hey Cheo I've got this friend called Abe really talented writer um, he really reminds me of you he's coming to LA soon and I want you to meet him I want you to read his work bear in mind I've not said yes yet mm-hmm. um, Cheo or full name Cheo Hadari Coker was the creator of Netflix of the Netflix series uh, Luke Cage. He also okay. wrote the Notorious film as well. And Cherry responds to her, "Yeah, sure. Um, tell him to send me through some work, and I'd I'd happily meet him when he comes." And wow. Dream says to me, if, "If I could do that for a text message, imagine if you're in LA. We spend the next few hours planning my whole trip to LA. At this point, I'm still uncertain, but I'm like, and it's not uncertain because I don't want to do it. It's uncertain because, cool, I would love to do this. Where is the money? Mm-hmm. Dream is out here telling me come for five weeks. I'm like, eh? How, how do you think I'm surviving in LA for, for five, five weeks? weeks? Like, with yeah. what money? Yeah. Um, But sometimes you just have to walk in faith. And um, 
I, the point when I finally said yes was because I'd been shortlisted to write something for Channel 4, which I didn't get. And mm. once I did, and that was the only thing that was holding me back from booking the flight because I was like, well, if, you if I get this, I can't actually go because yeah. it clashes with when Dream's telling me to come. Dream's telling me to come in February specifically. It's award season, blah, blah, blah. Like, season, yeah. 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 And she was like, that would be great for you. And then also stay for five weeks because then you can be there for award season where you'll meet plenty of people, but then your real meetings will happen once all the awards are over. Mm. And so I booked this flight Again, no idea how I'm going to do this. One of the things I did was, from the moment I said I was going to go, I stopped spending money on alcohol. Mm -hmm. And that was just my way of, like, saving money somehow. Like, it wasn't even me putting money aside. I was just like, well, I'll have more money if I'm spending nothing on alcohol. And so I didn't spend any money on alcohol. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that was a defining moment because I think it was the catalyst to, to where I am now in life, which is that I... Once I said yes to going on that trip my whole mindset changed. Like, mm. the, just, I was like, okay, I'm going on this trip in X amount of months and I want, you know, five weeks is a long time. I've never yeah. been anywhere for five weeks. Very like, yeah. and, and so I was saying to myself, you know, I need to, you know, so one of the things I was doing was I was writing two TV pilots because um, I wanted two new scripts to take for the trip. Like, I have stuff already. I've got so many scripts, but I wanted these two new things to have because for me, again, I, I know where my ability is now and I'd spent a lot of the last couple of years mainly focused on theatre scripts. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah I was just so focused and so I think that was a defining moment because Mm -hmm. everything that's happened since has been incredible and it all started with that mindset Mm. wow and you just went to LA just like that that is mad went with 700 pounds insanity with only 700 pounds like whenever like it's weird because I think it's the only time I've ever said it publicly but my my people know and like and I told people like it's not something that I keep as a secret but I've always hey you got an exclusive because I've always thought one day I'll tell exclusive. someone this story and I was like I went with £700 which is like how do you survive? oh by the way I stayed with Dream I missed out that bit yeah. um, and yeah I went with £700 and I just walked in faith like I was just like you know what I'm meant to be going on this trip it's funny I went with £700 rephrase I arrived in my airport with £700 then remembered I hadn't bought travel insurance so that was 100 and something gone before I even touched on the flight um but yeah, I just walked in faith. I was like, you know what? I will survive no matter what. Like, I, yeah. I remember Lyle saying to me, actually, I, I'm, I think, yeah, it was Lyle. And I remember this so much. She was like, Abe, like, you always land on your feet. So yeah. she was like, I have no doubt that even with this little money that you're going to LA with, that you're mm. going to survive. And yeah. that really touched me because I was, when she said that, I was like, yeah, you're right. I always do. Like, I always make it work. Like, there's been times when, yeah, on the same day, I've not known how I'm going to pay rent. And by the end of the day, I figured out a way to do it. Nothing illegal. Mm. <laughs> but yeah, I've yeah. always managed. And I think that's, you know, that's me. And that's me in this journey. Like, mm. I just always make things work. Like, there were a lot of blessings whilst I was out in LA in terms of friends from London who turned out to be there at the same time. And that was a blessing in itself. Mm. There was, you know, support from... I remember my mum being, you know, calling me like randomly and like asking, you know, she ended up sending money to her friends who helped me out. So, you know, I've always had mm-hmm. an incredible support network, and, you know, so many different types of support. And yeah, that trip was a turning point. Mm, that is really yeah. incredible. Yeah. That is incredible. And you know, it just made me think like, I feel like, see, this is why I named this pod- podcast The Big Picture. Because I feel like, our life is like a puzzle and there's all these little bits and bobs and it just kind of comes together and it just paints this without us even knowing. Mm. And it just paints this picture. And I feel like the, the experience that you had, 
um, of not having a home per se mm. and having to kind of just survive on day to day and kind of just figure things out. I feel like even like going to LA with the little amount that you had, it's almost like that less, it taught you how to survive on yeah. little. Listen, like you I, know? you've been to LA, right? Yeah, it's expensive. Have you ever used public transport in LA? No, <laughs> right. No yeah. one in Lely uses. Yeah, but no one I did. uses it. Yeah, I did. Like so, my meetings, which could take me maybe forty-five minutes to get to or thirty minutes, and that's how much it should take. Mm-hmm. Three, four-hour journeys, like wow. busing at about metro. Like yeah. when I tell people, I got they'll be like, "Sorry, what?" Like they'd be so confused that I use the public transport. Like no one does that, and I'm yeah. like, but for me, I was like, I've got to make this work somehow. I've got to survive. Like I said, there was the blessing of having people out there at the same time so then yeah, that meant yeah. lift sometimes yeah. if Dream was going where I was going that helped I think yeah. one of the biggest blessings was the moment my best friend found out I was going to LA mm. he was like cool I'm coming for a week and I'm like bro like this whole like I'm going for work he was like yeah that's fine do whatever you need to do I'm still coming Like, yeah, and yeah. then him and one of my other friends and his brother they all came at the yeah. same time and then yeah. one of my really close boys had just moved to San Francisco mm-hmm. and so he came for like a weekend but the point of why I'm referring to this anecdote is because when they came, they didn't let me pay for anything. Yeah. They were like, we've got you. Like, the entire time they were... And that was wow. a blessing. Like, that was, like, cool. I'm, and, like, again, they're on holiday, so they're wanting to go to all these restaurants. And, and I'm like, like um, listen, yeah. I've been cool cooking myself stir fries. Yeah, like, yeah. I've been happy doing that. But, yeah. yeah, yeah, things just work out for me, I wow. believe. Serendipity, yeah. That's, that is really amazing. Mm. Really amazing. Super inspiring. Oh, sorry. But yeah, to well. say, sorry, to say what you were, to come back to your point, which is that, yeah, I've had this whole period, an experience of having to survive. And so yeah. having to do it in LA was no different to exactly. having to do it in London. I'm like, oh, cool. This is what I've got. This is what I need it for. Yeah. Make it work. Exactly. Like, but at the time, it's so hard. Yeah. You don't know, you don't know it's going to be useful for you later on. Yeah. But then somehow it is. Oh, absolutely. And that's what's, incredible about life you can be yeah. going through like the hardest time of your life yeah. and you're like how am I going to survive but then somehow it leads to helping you either with something else that you need to do in the future or actually helping someone else yeah. avoid that same thing that you kind of got yourself mm-hmm. into so it's amazing so you recently um, you wrote like a full length play I did write a full right? length play so what made you choose so it's called All the Shit I can't, I can't say, say to, to my, my dad, dad. Yeah, and I had the pleasure of watching the rehearsed reading it was incredible <coughs> I watched it twice um, it you. was emotional both times emotional for me too yeah imagine it was, watching it every night yeah yes, I think I missed one yeah but I mean it's just incredible I'm just wondering like obviously when this opportunity did come around what made you decide that's the play that you wanted to kind of not I wouldn't say launch out with because mm. again you'd already been doing your own thing through your production company yeah but I guess... But it was the first full-length one. So, so it was first so full-length, so... Yeah, or first full-length one that anyone had seen. Right exactly. Right. So what made you decide to go with this? Because it's, it's so deep. Okay. The, you know what, the story is really great. Uh-huh. <laughs> of how, as in not the story of the play, the story of how it came about. Uh-huh. Um, that playing... So it came about because I was reached out to and I was asked if I had any any ideas... No, sorry, if I had any plays that were one or two handers, which were black characters or black stories or whatever, and I, I sent something, which was a play I wrote a few years ago called Brothers, What's the Value of a Black Man's Life? And the have festival... Have I watched that? Anyway. You might have come to the reading of it, because I did a reading for it in Stratford, like a Ones for Friends. Yeah, and stuff. I did. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and, and so 
I submitted that and he was like, yeah, this is great, but I want actually British stories. Do you have any other plays or any ideas? And so I didn't have any other plays that fit that criteria. Mm. But I had a couple of pitch documents for things that had been like shortlisted over the years and stuff. And But I'd never had to write the plays. And so I, but they were plays I obviously wanted to write. Mm. And so I sent one for a play called Superman mm-hmm. and another one for a play called Two City Girls on a Roof. And I sent it through and the festival through their producer um messages me and he says oh i really like the sound of all the shit i can't say to my dad and i see this email i'm like bruv how does this guy know about this like (laughs) i didn't send you that and also i've never sent anyone that there's nothing to send like i looked through my computer trying to find yeah and there was nothing and i went and read through the pitch document of superman and there was literally one sentence in it and the sentence was i once had an idea for a play called all the shit i can't say to my dad and i feel like this play exists in the same world and I was like, okay, well, this is how the guy knows. And he was really keen on it. He talks to Chris Sonics, the artistic director of mm-hmm. the theatre, and he's like, yeah, that sounds great. And I'm like, what are you saying sounds great? There's no script. <laughs> There's no, I like, this was just always a title that I knew was amazing. Mm-hmm. That was it. Yeah. And the title was amazing, but I never knew what I wanted to say with it and what I wanted to do with it. And mm-hmm. so I took about a month to make a decision because I spent a month thinking about, okay, if I do write this, what is this play? Is it a one-hander? Is it a two-hander? Because I know those are the remits i'm like whichever it is what's the story i want to tell Mm. it's a very loaded title but i'm not i also knew that i didn't want to write a play that i would consider biographical Mm. and i think there was two turning points one was that i was gifted a book whilst i was in la by a good friend of mine that i made out there who's from london called ak Mm -hmm. um and have a bath the winner actually (laughs) he won it when he got back um and it was an essay on Michael Jackson's book uh, album, sorry, Dangerous, by a, an, an author called Susan Fear. And anyone who knows me, massive Michael Jackson fan. Mm-hmm. And I read this essay, and it was absolutely incredible. And by the end of it, I was like, I want, I want to write about a character making their first album. Not that Dangerous was Michael Jackson's first album, but mm-hmm. that's what I wanted to write. And that was the turning point when I was like, okay, I know what I want to write now. I know that. Yeah, I'm not a musician, so that was my way of distancing myself from this story and this character. I'm like, I'm not a musician. It's writing about making his first album and the mm. album's going to be called All This Shit I Can't Say to My Dad. Mm. And so on April the 10th, mm-hmm. that was when I accepted the offer from the theatre to um, to do this. And that was it. That's what made me want to write it. Like, I, just, yeah. I just had a couple of, you know, I had that plus this one hour where I remember I was at, at work and it was lunch and my brain was just ticking. I was like, just all the pieces of the story started to come up. And mm. I think the moment when I definitely know I wanted to do it, and I guess I won't say the endings and not be a spoiler, but mm. it's when the twist comes. Like, I thought of that mm. twist during this one hour and the twist was when I was like, boom, now I'm definitely writing this because that twist is sick. And also yeah. I can't relate to that twist. So also yeah. that's a challenge for me to capture those emotions appropriately of how the character's going to feel. Cause mm. that's what I enjoy the most about writing like writing about things that i i've not necessarily experienced and that i can relate to but not because i've experienced it but just through empathy because that's all writing is actually or yeah. good writing it's all empathy like mm-hmm. you know if you're not writing about yourself then it's about being empathetic to other people's experiences so that mm. you're able to convey them Mm. yeah wow because it was such a good touch sorry if you guys haven't seen it <laughs> i know we're just like talking about it but the idea that he was working on this album yeah. was such a great touch and actually writing a play that's just for one person i just feel like it 
it can be challenging, really. It's the hardest thing. Yeah, yeah, I always say to people, the best thing and the worst thing. So this is an increase in the play that was just on. Yeah. Because I said this beforehand, but I always used to say the best thing and the worst thing I've ever written are both one-man shows. So yeah. Dionysus Smile is what I think is the best. Oh, no. Best received, actually. Yeah. The best received thing was Dionysus Smile. Yeah. And similarly, the worst received thing I ever had, was, and I think it's the worst thing I've ever written, was Trunnelled Dump. I don't know if you saw that. I did see it. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. What do you think? I liked it. Uh, you just saying that? Because, no, yeah. I don't recall it. <laughs> no, it was it. it New York. Like it, it could. It had potential, but I've, yeah. Let's not go into that. But <laughs> the point is, is that you know. So I think yeah, one man show is incredibly difficult. I take no joy in writing them. I don't know if I'll ever write one again because no, you should. I don't, they're hard. They're really hard to yeah. write. Like it's amazing when you when you succeed with it and you mm. achieve something, but it's so easy not to because you're relying on one person to keep the audience captivated and engaged. And Mm. that's incredibly difficult in theatre. Like that's incredibly difficult. I've seen, I've seen so much theatre. So I've seen some incredible one man shows like Misty, which is a big inspiration Mm. for me. Like that was the bar in it. Like, and my play isn't Misty by any means, but that's the bar which I aspire to. But then I've seen bad one man shows as well where I'm bored. and I'm just like, I can't wait for this to end. Yeah. 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 And that's the thing. And then they normally, and the ones which are bad, normally end up having a twist at the end. Mm. But you don't care about the twist because because you've already lost interest in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Wow. So you're not going to write another one anytime soon then? Um, What, One Man Show? I don't know if I'm going to write any theatre anytime soon. (laughs) You definitely need to still continue to write theatre. Why have you said that you don't want to write theatre again? Do you know what? I've changed my stance, but I'm a Gemini, so, you know, change out of British weather. But um, (laughs) why I've said I don't want to write theatre anymore is because it's just really, I think, really thankless, like... Yeah, I guess if we're doing transparency, for starters, not that it's all about money, but I didn't get paid anything to write this play. Mm-hmm. That wasn't, now that's nothing to do with the theatre, that's in terms of how we as a business decided to structure the contracts because of the the players that we wanted involved in the production. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm all about sacrifices for the big picture. Yeah, hey, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, that's not, but genuinely, that's, yeah. that is what I'm about. And so... I would have rather got a great director and a great actor if it meant sacrificing. Because I'm like, well, when this turns out hopefully incredible because of those people's contributions, yeah. it will it will be rewarding. Mm. But it's it's just so grueling writing fear because mm. even if I had been paid what was meant to be paid, so to speak, it still wouldn't have been enough for what I put myself into. But more importantly, I think the biggest reason why is because firstly, I love screen more. Yeah, yeah. But also because that experience was horrible for me. Mm. Like, and it turned out to be amazing in terms of, you know, it got rescued, but in in what it was, it wasn't enjoyable. Like, mm. yeah, I remember in all the run up to it, just not enjoying it. Mm. And then finally on the day when I started feeling happy about it, yeah. then all the madness happened. Um, but saying that, just to flip it around, I think, one thing that the experience taught me, and it's why now my response when people, you know, I've stopped saying I'm not writing theatre again, and I said that I'm on a hiatus from it because yeah, one, I just want to focus on screen and secure yeah. the bag. Yeah. <laughs> but also, it's because through the experience in terms of having the play on and, and getting everyone's reactions and all of that stuff, it made me realize I, I said something in the QA that I did, and I was like, you know what, this thing, this talent that I've been given, like all talents, I think actually, is an act of service. It's not for you. It's for it's for you to give to the world. Yeah. And I saw what that play did for people. Mm. And I think 
There are certain emotions and feelings which can only ever happen through fear, which can't happen through film and TV. Like, I love writing all three of them. But I think, yeah, that theatre has a place in my career and it has to be that... You know, I said to someone actually recently that when I do start again, I think my new approach, and again, this could change at any point, but at one point when I do have the time and desire to write a play, hopefully because I'm financially comfortable... I'll literally write a play, give it to my agent and be like, cool, I've written that, do whatever you want. I'm not mm. involved now in this process. Like, if yeah, someone, yeah. Like, someone wants to make it, fine. And if they don't, also fine. I don't, I've written yeah. this just because actually, that's why I write. Like, as yeah. much as I write with a hope to have a career from it, would I do this thing for free as long as I could survive? Yeah, I would. Like I always say to people, at a very basic minimum, my hope and my dream is to just be able to survive off this thing and of course I want to be incredibly successful and I want to get wealthy mm-hmm. off of it but I was like if you said to me that between now and when you die you'll just earn enough to survive but comfortably like as in have a roof over my head be able to get food and just not worry mm-hmm. so it's not like hundreds and millions or what, but it's just, I was like you know what I'd say yes I was like if I could have that guarantee rather than the hope of all the mm, okay no I would still want all the big things but the point yeah, is you mean, like, I'm just happy to like I just it. love doing it like I really enjoy it like my excitement when I start writing something new is mad like yeah. I'm like oh yeah I'm writing something new this is gonna be fun yeah, 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 like yeah. yeah and I think that's important because mm. writing like it's like with any creative thing it's it's yeah. It's challenging, mm. and it's you have to love it yeah. to keep going for it. It's like with acting; like you're gonna get, you're gonna get, you know, rejected more mm. than you're gonna get a yes. Yeah. But it's only because you love it. That's why you keep going into yeah. these rooms, and you're like, oh. And also, hey, it's the love as well, which will keep you writing during the difficult time of writing that project. Because all, well, I want to say all projects have their difficulties, but not all of them do. Because I'm thinking of like my film, which I just did, and actually there was no difficulty in that writing process which was really nice and was a rarity but on the most part you're gonna have hurdles and hiccups and and you're gonna hit brick walls but Mm. it's that love for that story that will keep you pushing and keep Mm. going so I think you do have to love whatever you're writing or just love writing in general actually because yeah like I yeah I find it almost silly and childish how much I love it like this thing really makes me happy like this is re- yeah. like people are like how can you just sit there all day for hours and just write and I'm like this is so fun to me yeah. like I really enjoy it but again I've always enjoyed writing like I said it's what I said at the beginning I've always enjoyed using words whether it be writing essays all my subjects in school were mainly essay based subjects all my A levels were essays like I've always enjoyed writing just mm. using words see that's such a good thing to think about. Just what do you love doing? Because mm. sometimes we just want to survive, and which is fair. Yeah. We need to survive. Yeah. But it's just important to think about like what makes you giddy. Because you were like just right now, you were like giddy, like a little kid that's like, do you know what I mean? That's yeah. just excited because they've gotten their favorite meal or something, you know. And yeah. I feel like in this adult in life, you need that joy of like, oh my gosh, I'm going to work and. I know my boss is annoying, but <laughs> I love this meeting I'm about to have. I'm really excited about it. And I feel like once that's not there anymore, everything just feels like a drag and it feels boring. And it just, so for me, it's making me think, okay, what makes me feel really giddy yeah. and really excited and really happy and, you know, not feeling like I'm an old woman, you know? Mm. So yeah, that's really, really encouraging actually. I'm going to think about that tonight. What Please makes do. me... Yeah, just like what makes me really, 
you know, sure apart not. from food, you know, because food is bae. Food, <laughs> no, bae, uh. food makes me really, really, yeah. honestly, there's mm. sometimes I go home yeah. and I know I'm about to order this really good Chinese food and I'm so like happy. Choi really surprises me <laughs> that I've never cried tears of Choi about food. Like, because like food is amazing. I'm like, amazing. how have I never cried out of how, happiness for this thing? Like, like wow, like, like so how happy. can something just be so good? Yeah, <laughs> like, exactly, exactly. So that's, I think it's just, I just think it's important to just, even just to take that time out mm. to figure out what is it that makes me giddy mm. and makes me happy that, you know, I just, yeah, it's just important. So I'm so glad that you said that because I'm really thinking about it and I'm like ready to change my life. Um, but I feel like I really like asked you everything already. I think the last thing I wanted to ask was if you had the opportunity to write about someone's life, who would it be? <laughs> Why is he? Do you know what? I got excited because remember I said to you just before we started recording that I've only prepared one thing. I thought you were going to ask me the thing I prepared, but you didn't. But it's fine. Oh, okay. No, no, no. no, 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 no. What was it? No, don't worry. No, no, what was it? We might come back to it. Okay. Um, All right. If I had the chance to write about one person's life, mm-hmm. that's a mad question. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I have an answer. Mm. I would. Do you know what? I think I can't think of anyone off head. Okay. But they would almost certainly. Sure, the problem is mm. with me struggling with this question. I don't really. Well, I enjoy far more being imaginative than I do about writing about other people. So, for mm. example, you know, you can, as I'm sure you'd assume, people would say to me, "Oh, would you ever write about me?" And I'm like, "Why would I do that?" <laughs> like, <laughs> and I mean, don't get me wrong; it's now happened. I have written about people, but. One person's life, I want to say it would probably be a sports player or a musician. Okay. But I can't think. Got them. Got them. Yeah. (laughs) Well, okay, if I was to write a biopic, I would want to write a biopic about either Kanye West or Jay Z. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. There's a third person as well, but I can't say that one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Not because there's anything wrong with that person. I'll tell you. Sorry, people. I'll tell you after why. Yeah. <laughs> and what was the one thing that you prepared that I did ask you? Oh, sure. So, as you know, I don't listen to podcasts. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but when I was in the gym a couple of days, I listened to an episode of this. Just not because I was coming on. Like, genuinely, it wasn't. Because mm-hmm. actually, I didn't listen to the episode you told me to listen yeah. to. It was just because... I didn't want to listen to music. I was like, oh, well, let me listen to an episode of Rita's podcast. Yeah. And it was William's episode, yeah, William which was Pearson, incredible, yeah. as you've seen from my tweets on my yeah. Instagram posts. But you asked them about the advice, something like if you had one piece of advice. Oh, yeah, I was going to give you that. Yeah. Oh, I'm I was going to ask you. That. Is that a bit where we kind of like re recording? You asked me and then we pretend it's me. <laughs> no. Nope, that's fine. Like, no, but you want to cut it? But no, I was, okay, no, cool. I was actually going to ask you that. Yeah, that then why it, did it you was... say one last question? I always say that, okay. you know. Actually, you did that with William yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah, oh, yeah. I'm in. very unpolished, yeah. but I think that's yeah. what makes, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, okay, if there was one piece of advice that you would give to a writer, you know, someone that's coming up in this industry, what would you say? So, just like William, I'm going to give two. <laughs> but interestingly, actually, I didn't, I don't think I noted that, I didn't think you'd ask about writers. Mm-hmm. So, this probably is applicable to writers, okay. but I think it's more wider. Okay. So, I'm going to look at my phone to see what I wrote down. Mm-hmm. So the first one, and it's come up whilst we've been talking, is I would advise anyone with anyone, but especially people with a creative dream, mm. do not be in a rush to leave your parents' house. Not that I was. I I definitely wasn't in a rush. It was circumstances that got me out of there. But mm. 
like I mentioned earlier, it's a privilege. That's a massive privilege and and it's something which can give you a foundation to really pursue the dreams you want to pursue. Like, mm. everyone has different goals and ambitions, but, you know, a lot of people will say, for example, they'll cuss people because you're living in your parents' house. Why haven't you saved for a mortgage? And then taken advantage of that. But everyone's different. Like, some people want to travel. Like, for example, I see people and I'm thinking, bruv, you live at home. Why are you not seeing the world? Because you yeah, can afford yeah, to do this. You yeah. haven't got these problems. Yeah. But some people's goal is buying a house. Some is this, some is that. But the point is, don't be in a rush because there's no rush to and everything is expensive right now. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah, surviving outside your parents' house is hard. So I say yeah. just don't be in a rush because it can really give you the foundation to chase things. It can also allow you to make changes in your decisions mm-hmm. because in this in the UK, we're forced to make grand decisions about our life at the age of 14, mm-hmm. and which is ridiculous, but until the education system changes, that is what it is. Yeah. But the reality is, is that a lot of people change their minds later. They change their minds in university. They change it when they're in jobs. Yeah, and we keep changing it. Yeah, and sometimes that, you know, for you to be able to make that change and pursue it, it might mean taking a great pay cut, for example. Mm. But if you're if you've left your parents' house and you've got a standard of life, it's gonna be very difficult to maintain that standard of life and pursue something new unless you're able to make use the skills and whatever you've done to get that sideways move. So that would be my first one. Mm-hmm. Don't be in a rush to leave your parents' house. And the second one was So I always feel weird about saying this one these days, but I'm still gonna say it, but then I'll give the caveat so that I don't feel weird about it, which is that I Percy think you know put your faith or if you're a person of faith anyway put your faith at the center of your decisions but second or yeah secondarily I guess aside from faith in God and whatever you believe in is I always say to people to put your dream at the center of the decisions that you make Mm. and I always remember that one of my friends one of my really close friends who doesn't live in the country anymore um said to me and this is someone who I really respect massively admire and so when she said this to me it stuck with me to this day. And actually, I'm going to send this to her so she can hear it at the end. Mm. She said to me that one of the things that she admires the most about me is that every decision that I make, I put my writing at the centre of the decision. Mm. So, oh, am I going to... You know, choosing where I was going to live, for example, mm. how is it going to affect my writing? Am I going to go on this holiday? How is it going to affect my writing? Mm. What job am I going to get? How is it going to affect my writing? Am I going to... You know, so, for example, for... I don't know, since... 25th no 2016 mm-hmm. so let's say october september october 2016 mm. i've not worked a full-time job like every job i've done whether it's one job or juggling three jobs mm. every single job i've done is a zero hour job and the reason why i've done that is because it means that i can always have the option to to give my writing more time if i need to if it's because an opportunity has arisen if it's because I just don't feel like I'm writing enough, you know, that's always a choice for me. And there's been, there's been detriments to that. So for example, that whole feeling of surviving and scraping by is definitely a thing because of my choice to work zero hour jobs. There's no Mm. career progression. There's no, there's no pay rises or anything like that. Mm. Like, you know, yeah, but no, don't even get me started. That's its own episode. But (laughs) what, that's always given me is being able to pursue my writing as in the way that I want to and being able to take that liberty. Mm-hmm. Like I remember, I don't know what I'm saying, I remember. Since the end of May this yeah. year, up until maybe a week ago, I want to say, or two weeks ago, mm. I wasn't working. All I was doing, because I had the film, which we've not even talked about, yeah, funny enough, yeah. but that's life, and the play, 
um, happening at the same time. It got to a point where I was like, one, if I don't quit all my jobs because of the demands of these two projects, mm. one of two things, or one of three things, I guess, is going to happen. Either A, the play will flop, B, the film will flop, or C, both of them will flop. And so mm. I need to make this decision based on yeah on that. And so I stopped working because I was like, I, I just haven't, I can't juggle this no more. The film and the play are just asking for too much. And so... Yeah. I would say put that at the centre of your decisions and then mm. I would like to believe that it will all fall into place. It hasn't all fallen into place for me yet, but mm. it feels like it will do. And mm. I know that all my pro- progression that I've made over the years and all my wins have come from the fact that I've always done that. Like, yeah, And it's not always been easy. Like, mm. there's things that I've... There's things I've had to sacrifice. There's things I've had to miss out on. There's things I've lost. There's been deeply painful moments in my last few years of life which Mm. are due to that attitude but and I don't know if we spoke about this or if we spoke about it beforehand Mm. but you said something when you were talking about whether you wanted to knowing like your gut instinct and whether you do something and what's the point I was trying to make the point I'm trying to make with that is the whole whenever I make choices which require sacrifice I always say to myself, no matter how it turns out, I know I made the decision I wanted to make in that time. And there's mm. no, I, you don't have hindsight in that moment. But what I never want to be in a situation to do, which is a rarity for me, thankfully, is have a situation where I essentially mess up or something goes wrong and I'm kicking myself because I thought to myself, there was a time when I questioned that thing mm. and I didn't go with my guts. Mm. Like, I'm someone who, if I feel something, I almost always just go with it and... Yeah, that's a big one for me, just going with trusting my decisions and my conviction. And I don't mind when things go wrong. Like I said to someone this week, I said that when I fail, if I fail in a way that I've had total control or the most control I can have and I've made all the decisions that I was happy with, Mm. it's a lesson. And in fact, whether I have control or not, it's a lesson regardless, but it hurts far less if it's because of something I didn't predict. Mm. rather than it's when it's something I did potentially see coming and I ignored it or I didn't go with that feeling in me which mm. was like mm, are you sure you should do that are you sure you want to do that yeah yeah. yeah. that might have been an accidental third one I don't know. yeah that was definitely the third <laughs> one like following like trusting your gut instinct yeah. which is major yeah yeah thank you thank You're you welcome. so much like, thank you for having me there's so many little nuggets in this I'm excited for you guys to hear well I'm saying excited for you guys to hear it but you're hearing it you've heard it already because it's yeah. the end of the episode so yeah mm. uh, you meant but, to pretend that you're recording like, as in they're hearing it like yeah, yeah yeah but yeah but you know what guys <laughs> I always feel like you're with me but so thank you thank you so much for listening thank you so much Abe for joining me today and thank I really do me. hope that you guys um, have learned something I know that I have and I'm going to go home now and I'm going to think about the things that I really really love and I'm going to use the next four months to just tuck into that you know and just do more of the things that I love and not just the things I need to do to survive so that's my takeaway and um yeah so thank you like bye